Take your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews this morning. We're turning to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and continue in the theme, the theme that was presented last week. We are grateful for your prayers while we were gone and thankful for Pat as he brought the Word of God from the book of Philippians. This time of year lends itself to self-examination and evaluation, and so we want to continue that thought and hone in for the next few moments what our focus is. Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll find your place in God's Word, and we'll read Hebrews chapter 12, verses, verses 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, with patience, the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's, God's word. It's not an understatement to say that the battle for your Christian life in one sense, can be summarized like this. It's the battle for your time. We all battle our time and our focus. We feel as if in the different seasons of life, it's just flying by. It's passing us by. We can't believe a, another year has already gone. We think about our schedules and our to-do lists, and we certainly are productive. Our lists are never-ending. There's always someone else to respond to, to respond to through all the endless avenues of communication apps and email and phone calls and texts. But in it all, we lose our focus. In fact, in the 1970s, it was estimated that the average American saw up to 500 different advertisements a day. Now, I thought that was a lot. In 2018, it's estimated that the average American, and that's an old stat, in 2018, that over 5,000 plus Advertisements are seen by the average American in a given day through a number of different mediums. The, the point I want to make is this, is that, again, the battle for our Christian life is a number of things, but it can re be reduced for our purposes this morning to the battle for our focus or the battle for our time. Everyone and everything is competing for our attention. We regularly find ourselves in moments of despondency in our circumstances or problems that arise we need to find our hope in Christ. In verse 2, we need to look to Jesus. In fact, that, are, that is the message of our title this morning, looking, the title of our message this morning, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. I have a question for us. Does Christ have our focus? Does Christ regularly have our undivided attention? A disciple is to be rooted and grounded in the truth. And really the only way that can happen is where our eyes are looking to in faith. This is the theme of Hebrews chapter 10, 11, and 12. Is the author of Hebrews is making an argument that the true and better and greater is here in the person of Christ. That is the, the, the steadfast argument that he's making throughout the book. And he comes to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 and says, look to Jesus. And so I want to say to you this morning, look to Jesus. All of you. The youngest uh, in the room this morning, look to Jesus. The elderly among us, look to Jesus. None of us are in the same track, if you will. We're all in a race, as we'll see in just a moment, and was the theme of last week as well. 
we're in this race of faith, if you will. Our, 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 we're not working for our salvation, but God has called us to run for the prize that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. A disciple is to be rooted and grounded in the truth and upon his master. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul says, If indeed you continue in the faith, notice here, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Paul here gives this admonition that our calling is to be settled in the faith. I'm afraid this morning it's not that are you running, it's are you running the right race? Do you have your eyes upon the prize that is Christ Jesus our Lord? Is your fuel, if you will, the power of the gospel and the understanding of your hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Peter says it like this, 1 Peter 5.10, But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect you, establish you, strengthen, and settle you. We are to be fixed stars in the night sky of this world, shining for Christ, being like those that will shine forever and ever. Jesus says in Matthew 6, let your, let your light shine before men, fixed stars. In Jude, verse 13, in our study of Jude on Sunday evenings, we find that apostates, or those who have known the gospel yet turn away from the gospel, are wandering stars. We're, we are to be fixed stars. We are not to be those who are moved by every emotion of life, by every wind of doctrine. We are to be pillars uh, built upon the pillar of God's word. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth, Paul says to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy. We are not to be moved or shaken by every circumstance. We are to be pillars in the truth, not reeds in, in the wind or not childish. Ephesians 4.14 Paul says it like this. He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro like reeds in the wind, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is, that is Christ. Friends, we are to be rooted and grounded in the truth, and yet it doesn't always feel like we are, does it? It feels like we're on an emotional roller coaster. At times we feel like as disciples of Christ that, that we are lost or that we are being taken about on a ride that we are not in control of through the people that God brings into our life or the circumstances that he calls us to go through, the trials that he calls us to bear. We're not only to be rooted and steadfast by way of introduction, we are to be steadfast through trial, steadfast through trial, James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness. But let patience, let steadfastness have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here we have a call in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, to be steadfast, to be patient, to be rooted and grounded in the race that God has called us to. This passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is akin to the, the calls of Christ and his calls of discipleship. For example, if anyone wishes to come after me, what? He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Passage after passage in the New Testament from Paul to Peter to the author of Hebrews to the writings and the sayings of Christ in the Gospels call us to this chosen people. We are a race. We are a chosen race, and we're running in a race. 
And all of these passages call us to do two things that we see here in this passage, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Time does not allow us to walk through a survey of them. But the two key things we see in these passages, you could say these key passages in Scripture, is the put-off action and the put-on action. The put-off action and the put-on action. Or maybe the put-off or put-to-death of the old man and the putting-on of the new man. For example, Ephesians 4.22, Paul says that in reference to your former manner of life, that you may lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you may be renewed, notice here, in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Passage after passage, we are instructed to deny the old man that is we are still present in, as long as we are in this body of flesh, living in this fallen Genesis 3 world. This is the battle to put off, to deny, and to be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to put on the mind of Christ. Paul says that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now what we find here in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, is the metaphor for the, the Christian life, which is that of a race. That of a race. There's a number of ways that we can look at that. Philippians 3.10, the text last week, is a key text where Paul says, I am forgetting... All that has happened up until this point, I'm looking ahead to the prize that is Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul again says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. Notice this is a personal race. There's an aspect of this. There's a corporate aspect to it as we as the body of Christ are running a race. There's also an individual aspect to it that God has called us to. Look there, Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 2, verse 1, excuse me, and let us, the last part of verse 1, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's an individual call, and there's an aspect where corporately with the body of Christ, God has called Grace Church to a corporate race, if you will, as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 reminds us that the whole point of the gospel, the whole purpose of why God has chosen us and called us to himself for salvation is that he has ordained us for good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice here, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for our purposes here, called to run a race, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should run, that we should complete, and the prize is Christ. First of all, this morning, I want you to notice, notice the helpers to our faith. The helpers to our faith. We find this beginning in verse 1. Notice what he says there. He says, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What witnesses? Well, we're surrounded by those that we're living amongst, even in the here and now. In one sense, we have witnesses who are observing our lives. But I believe within the context here, he's pointing back to Going back to Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 11, and time will not allow us to walk through that or survey it. We'll do it, mention it briefly. But he's calling us to look back to those who've come before. So in a moment ago, before the teens read their passage, I read from Psalm 78, which is speaking of the generation to come. It's speaking of a handoff in this race. In one sense, we know there are races where uh, there, you know, there's multiple contestants involved. There's a running forward. There's a handing the baton to the person behind us, just to make an analogy, right? 
There's an aspect of where we have been entrusted with the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are to entrust it to the next generation. But there are also those who've come before. That's what I believe the writer of Hebrews is pointing us to, the helpers of our faith. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here, the writer of Hebrews, I believe, takes us back to chapter 10 in verse 35, where he has already given the exhortation and his calls to live for God. And chapter 10 is the theme of it. He says, reminding them, the just shall live by faith. And he begins to lay this argument of the just shall live by faith, which is that key doctrine of justification. He begins to walk into Hebrews chapter 11. And if you'll just look there with your eyes, probably one page back for you, we're in Hebrews 12, going back to Hebrews 11. You'll notice that beginning in verse 4, all the way down through verse 29, each verse begins with, by faith, by faith. So beginning there, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. From the beginning of time, it has been by faith, looking forward to the promises of God, friends. Genesis chapter 3, the promise given that a Messiah would come to save us from our sins, to redeem us, and to make us whole, to make a new creation, to call us to himself, a bride, a deliverer, a Messiah. All since Adam and Eve have been looking for the promise by faith that God would send a Savior. That's been the theme of our Christmas season, hasn't it? Our Advent season of the first coming of Christ. You shall call his name Jesus, for he saves his people from their sins. And each one of these individuals in Hebrews 11, by faith, are looking forward to that. There's an argument being made here, as we see that verse 12, coming back to chapter 12, verse 1, in the same way, notice, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also not be content to look at their faith, let us also not be content to talk about grandma's faith, talk about grandpa's faith, or mom and dad's faith. What about me? What about you? He says, let us also, this is an argument, being pressed home to the reader, to the Jewish believers here, the early church. And he says this, these are helpers to our faith. Listen, these saints lived and operated by faith before the cross. Consider how hard that was. Consider their difficulties. This is why these are a who's who, if you will, of God's choosing. The writer of Hebrews will say this. He says in Hebrews 11, at the conclusion, he says, verse 38, These are those of whom the world is not worthy. Now, it's interesting. There's no awards for these here on earth. The Oscars doesn't recognize these, right? The Dove Awards doesn't recognize these. On and on we could go. Nobel Peace Prize, etc., etc. All of that will burn up. In the day of Christ. But these are those of whom the world is not worthy. They wandered in deserts, Hebrews eleven thirty eight. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We consider these helpers to our faith in the, in the whole chapter of Hebrews, I would exhort you, if you have time this afternoon, uh, to spend some time refreshing your, your heart and reading of these great acts of faith and how God used these individuals as they, by faith, pressed and lived for their mighty God. 
Hebrews 11 tells us by faith, Noah built an ark. Abraham separated himself from his idolatrous family and neighbors and built and pursued a kingdom whose maker was God. Moses forsook Egypt and became a leader for Israel. And by faith, the Red Sea was crossed. Jericho was captured. Goliath was killed. The mouths of lions stopped. The violence of fire quenched. And so the point I want to make here is as we think about these helpers of the faith, we tend to look here in 2023. We have arrived. We live now. We are so uh, erudite. We're so smart. We have all this knowledge. This is the information age. And why is it that the key word of our lives is anxiety and depression and stress? I'm trying to make a point and not be ugly at the same time, but we're so smart, aren't we? And yet we see and feel our frailty, and it's real. We need to look back into the providence of God, the mighty works of God. These are helpers to our faith. These individuals, these men and women that God has used, are here to remind us that a spiritual faith then is not a passive thing, as many say it is. I have my faith, I'm good. You've got your faith, I've got my faith, and I'm on the cruise ship going home to glory. That's a, mind, that's a mindset, or that, that's an idea that people have. But the author of Hebrews here is saying a spiritual faith, and it's not a passive thing, it is an active thing. It is an energetic thing. It is something that is provable, observable. It is vigorous. It is fruitful. Verse 1, so let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Very quickly, this is a theme that is not isolated to Paul or the, the writer of Hebrews. Psalm 119.32, the psalmist says this, I shall run the way of your commandments for you enlarge my heart. Amos chapter 6 verse 1 says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure in the mountains of Samaria. Friends, just for sake of time this morning, we look to this passage as we think about the call that God has called us to in our ongoing, the, the doctrine here supporting the text is the doctrine of sanctification. The doctrine of sanctification is what we see here. That we are growing in the faith that is Christ Jesus. We are true disciples of Christ. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a continual follower. A disciple is someone, as we saw in Sunday school this morning, is moving from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. A disciple is not someone who's only feasting on the milk of the word and, and training up others to feast on the milk of the word as well, but we've, we're moving on into maturity. We're teaching and saying, follow me as I follow Christ. We're staying fixed. We're staying focused upon the person and work of Christ. Secondly, notice how our text points to hindrances to our faith. Hindrances to our faith. In this journey of sanctification that we are living, we all understand that there are stumbling blocks. It is hard. We battle with sin. We've already mentioned the, the put-off language and the put-on language that God has called us to. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, be not conformed into the pattern of this world. Or a rendering is, do not allow this world's culture and system to push you into its mold. That's the negative. But the positive is, is but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thinking God's thoughts after him. There are hindrances to our faith. The song, the old song, maybe some of you will remember it. Am I a soldier of the cross? Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? While others, Hebrews 11, while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas. Are there no foes for me to face? 
Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toll. I'll endure the pain supported by thy word. Friends, that's what we're talking about here in our text. Now, I don't know what the hindrances to your faith are, but as we look into our text, Hebrews 12, verse 1, notice it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Every single child of God in this room struggles with mortifying sin. It's a part of that sanctifying process. And this life, in a sense, we are never fully free uh, into a a state of perfection, but we are growing in the grace and the knowledge that is Christ Jesus. And it should be said that, in one sense, we're sinning less and less. And yet, how discouraging it is at times, isn't it? Isaac Watts, speaking of the hymn writer, said it like this, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I want to ask you this morning, just by way of application, what are hindrances in your race with Christ? For many of you, it's unbelief. You're doubting the promises of God. 2022 has been a year that's been brutal on many levels, physically, spiritually. There's been struggles. And you've gotten your eyes off of looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, the application here is obvious. No one runs a race with, with encumbrances or weights. Now, in one sense, some of you guys are going to be smart alecks, and in your mind you're thinking, yeah, well, I do to get endurance and to build muscle and all that. Yeah, we get that, right? But if you're in the Olympics, okay, you're not wearing your weighted vest. You're not wearing your ankle weights. You're not doing all that. You're training for the race, which is literally seconds long. And you're not wearing all this encumbering clothing. It can be good things. It, it can be bad things. But the point is this, there are things in your life that are both good, they're neutral, but yet they're slowing you down in your race for God. God has given you a particular calling. Men, God has given you a calling to lead your homes. Wives, God has given you a calling to submit to your husband and to shepherd those children, to work in in a complimentary way to shepherd and raise up and nurture those children in the admonition of the Lord. God has called us to live faithful as those who work in our callings and our vocations. And yet, how are we doing? In fact, many of you would say, well, that's where my discouragement is. That's where I've gotten off track. There's things that are taking place. There's trials that I I experience and I face. And yet, you've gotten your eyes off of the Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit will have to apply this aspect of laying aside every weight. But the most obvious application here is, is sin, immediate sin that we know we struggle with. Lust, anger, doubt, all types of things that are the hidden in the heart that we have to mortify and to put to death. And I want to encourage you as we move on to point number three this morning, the habit of our faith. The habit of our faith. Not only the helpers that we look back to and see their life and their faith and their testimony and their examples. We see not only the hindrances that we need to lay aside by repentance, asking God for grace and moving on and beyond, Saying, God, I'm going to be serious and committed to the calling you've called me to. Show me where I've gotten off track. Remember, the psalmist says, if I treasure iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Paul gives clear instruction in the book of Ephesians that husbands, and Peter does as well, if we do not treat our wives well, God will not hear us. We cannot say one thing with our mouths and yet be hypocritical in our shepherding calling for our family and our wives and our children or in our callings and vocations. That's why we need 
In conclusion, number three, the habit of our faith, which is verse two, look with me, looking unto Jesus. And I would tell you this, the battle of your faith, if you will, the battle of your growth is simply this, where are you focusing? Where are you focusing? Where are your eyes fixed upon? So we do this by keeping our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Notice, he is the object of our faith. Faith is not the end all. It's not simply as we put an emphasis on faith in Hebrews 11 and 12 and this passage. Faith simply shows us Christ. It's not, Lord, give me more faith. In one sense, we understand what that means. It's a byproduct. The point is this, look to Christ and your faith will grow. The habit of our life is simply to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. He is the object of our faith, looking with eyes of faith. Verse 2, with undivided attention, looking away from all that will distract. Others may, maybe I cannot, whatever those things are. Looking steadfastly on Jesus. Many of you will recognize the name Corey Ten Boom when I say that. Corrie Ten Boom was a godly lady, a Jewish lady who went through the concentration camps. Many of you know her story. She was able to survive and to come on the other side, even to a point of meeting one of her former captors. She was actually giving a talk on forgiveness when a man walked up to her and she recognized him as one of her former soldiers who brutally treated her and her sister. And he looked at her and said, can you forgive? Do you mean what you said? Could you forgive me? Do you know who I am? She knew who he was. That's an interesting story all of itself. But she said this, if you look at the world, if your focus is on the world, you will be constantly distressed. If you look within, you will be constantly depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. And that's true, isn't it? This is what Jesus says, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I remind you this morning, Grace Church, and visitors here with us, and anyone who listens to this, look to Jesus. Make the habit and the theme of your life of not looking to man. Yes, we know the practicality. We minister to those around us, but there must be a priority. Look to Jesus. Don't look at your problem. Whatever you look at will become sovereign in your life. It will grow larger than life. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare and literally begins to control you. Don't focus on your problem. Don't focus on people. You're not even to focus on your own prayers. Simply look to Jesus, the object of our faith and the object of our prayers. Friends, it will transform your life in a pastoral way as I bring this home to you to remember that every person that is in your life right now is there at God's appointing. You would not be more like Jesus without them. God has called you to your marriage. God has called you to your children. God has called you to your workplace. God has called you to serve with your neighbors. God has called you in every way. The, the people that you interact with are making you more like Christ. Now look to Jesus and he will show you how to do it. The circumstances that you have experienced this year the loss that you've experienced, the pains that you've experienced, the triumphs that you've experienced, all of those things are there by the providential, sovereign hand of God to shepherd you and cause you to look up. God forces us into places to where there's nowhere to go, but it's a cliff, and we say, God, help, and that's right where he's ready to work. 
It often feels like we're being crushed. It often feels like we can't do another step. We can't go another day. We don't know how to step on or continue on. Look to Jesus. Make this the habit of your Christian life. Rest in his finished work. Rest upon him and him alone. Come to him. His burden is easy. His burden is light. And when you look to Jesus, friends, you'll remember the why behind it all. We exist to glorify his name. We exist to go forth on mission for him. We exist to show that his gospel is great, that it is sufficient, that it is glorious, that it is what we say it is. When we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the fear of God is cultivated. When we look to the throne of God, the fear of God is magnified and rightly placed. And that fear of God and love for Christ removes every lesser problem that we have. We find ourselves living for an audience of one. I want you to turn with me in conclusion this morning, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. As we look to Jesus, this is the habit. This is what all the Old Testament saints and all the New Testament saints and the apostles and those who've come before, they're saying, don't look to us. Look at how we look to Christ. He is the sufficient one. As we prepare for this first day of the week, we've committed ourselves to come and worship the Lord together. Seek his face. Today has been an unusual format, no doubt about it, but it's a good one, right? I mean, there's just so many good things happening uh, this morning that makes our hearts full. But as we leave this place thinking about keeping our eyes fixed upon the person and work of Christ, remember this, Colossians 3, 23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Remember, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive for our purposes this morning the prize. You're running the race. You will receive the prize, not from your circumstances, not from the people that you're living for their approval or their pats on the back. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward, the prize of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who has done wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There is no partiality. Verse 24, knowing that you will receive from the Lord. Friends, live for the audience of one. And that is Jesus Christ. The one who has bought you and redeemed you and saved you and called you with a holy calling. And you will find a way through the difficulties of this life. May we, by faith, looking ahead to 2023 as a church, as families, and individually, keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, who is the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Friends, he's the one who birthed it in us. He's the one who achieved it for us, and he's the one who will complete it to the very end. We must, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for the sufficient, powerful word of God. Lord, we pray that you would take it and you would use it to perfect your saints, to perfect the church. Father, we need you. You tell us in your word, Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it is impossible uh, to please you. So, Father, this morning, afresh and anew, we, we repent of our faithlessness. Father, we repent of making man greater in our eyes than God. Father, we repent for growing lax and slothful and lazy in our love for you. Would you stir us up, O oh Lord? Will we not be lukewarm, but lukewarm, but would you again revive our love for you? 
where we have this habit of looking to Jesus day by day, moment by moment. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.